This is the Retags Podcast. In association with the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation and the University of Cape Town, Retags is the reimagining tragedy from Africa and the Global South. In this limited series, we will be exploring and contextualizing themes of tragedy as they relate to the inaugural production of the Retags Project, Antigone, Not Quite Quiet, presented by the University of Cape Town and the Magnet Theater. joining me for another episode of the Retags podcast. In this episode, I talked to Mendisa, who is the poet on the project Antigone Not Quite Quiet. The reason why I say poet and not playwright or scriptwriter is because the script for Antigone is, well, not exactly a script. It is, in fact, a series of poems, and it was really amazing to be able to actually sit down with Mendisa and talk to her about what she found when she first read the play and what came through to her in her writing. Okay, so I think let's just start with what does tragedy mean to you? Oh, wow. Um, I know. <laughs> well, contextualizing it for, my, for myself, man, it's that, it's that moment when you... when something just goes wrong in life, whether it is just ordained or um or it happens because somebody did something but when something terrifying like literally happens in my life i know it's a tragic moment and that's how i relate to tragedy um whatever the causes may be whether they're tangible whether they're intangible whether they're personal or public you know whether it's something you didn't do or something you had to do but maybe you didn't know how to do it you know so yeah it's it's that conflict or that tension for me when when just something bad just pops man yeah yeah that's actually a well it's a pretty common answer among some of the performers but mm-hmm. it for me specifically it's an unexpected answer mm-hmm. cuz i personally approach tragedy from a very bookish place uh-huh. where and not from really from personal experience so hearing hearing this mm-hmm. multiple times being like my life is tragic yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely 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 it's 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 fascinating to to see. So, did you think about tragedy as a genre before coming into this project? I mean, yeah. So, of of course, like you have different genres, right? And I think it did come up that it is it is Antigone is a tragedy. But for me, I I don't necessarily focus on on that particular definition and stick to it. I I like contextualizing so that i can fit myself into this existing piece you know that's also being recontextualized for the times right now and for south africa right now so so um i didn't i didn't, I didn't overthink it i didn't think it was necessary to overthink it i was just like okay what's the story you know i read the play and i thought oh okay i i'm a modern day antigone you know i i and other black south african women are modern day antigones you know um you could see the parallels also within within the play and within today as well so for me it was just like okay my voice is that voice i'm writing in my urgent voice for today and for myself and how do i take that urgent voice and put it into this work yeah what parts of the play 
like stood out to you the most when writing this? So for me in the play, it's it's Antigone herself, right? It's it's between her and her sister, you know, when when her sister doesn't help her. But I kind of feel sorry for her sister because I'm just like, you know, you want to do this, dog. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm like you, and it's it's that thing when you know that the conflict when you know that she's supposed to do something that is right you know or just something that is moral you know and you you stagger you know because of whatever um bounds or however it is that you feel um your hands are tied and that you're silenced you know but also what are those silences and for me it's like somebody's authority over your body right now is holding you back from doing what you want to do and that's 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 like where we are right now as well you know just thinking about but what if you just went against this guy what's the worst that could happen you know and also the fear of of our own power and watching antigone move in her own power that that conviction I'm, i've made my decision and i'm going to stick to my decision because it's right and i believe that it's right so that duty for me was just like powerful and to choose I mean, I mean, we've watched people do, we've read about stories of people, you know, choosing to die for what it is they believe in. It's, it's not, it's not new, but it's also a bold decision to make. And for me, when, I don't know why I keep seeing Antigone as a teenage girl, you know? Well, because, I mean, within the context of the story, she would have been. She would have been, yeah. So I'm, I'm seeing her as a teenage girl who is firstly dealing with the being a child, you know, and having your, your voice oppressed as a child, you know? Constantly the world is saying no, you know, adults are constantly pushing against whatever it is they think they don't understand when kids speak, you know, there's just that othering and silencing. Yeah, it's you like, don't know what you're oh, talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's like, oh, you're so small, you can be quiet. Yeah, like, yeah. because you're young, you can't be wise, you know what I mean? So for me, it, it was that, and then it was rising up to, to the occasion with this Creole, right? He's like a big statue, a symbol of power, and he's domineering in his power, you know, and, and you can even see how everyone is kind of aligned with him but i always say personally whenever that happens we all have these small conversations with ourselves where you're thinking but how could i strategically not get myself involved in this mess i don't want to pick your team i don't want to pick your side so those small conversations for me where i'm having where i'm just like somebody has to say something you know and you're almost wanting to say that thing on her behalf so that was another a big moment where where i was just like oh this guy's such an ass this guy's really an ass and then and then belief as well i think it was self-belief conviction and then i was looking at i mean the chorus of thieves and how all the people who are in in position of power the men and i and i kept wondering how 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 what that shift would look like, you know? And in my mind, I didn't want her to die. I'm just like, girl, just take over this conversation, redirect it, do the right thing, bury your brother, and don't even arrest him. Don't arrest it. I think it's, his, it's her uncle. Don't even arrest Creole. Let him learn. Hopefully he'll understand. You know, you're just hoping for that, like, reasoning capability, where you're just like... But also it's the empathy, you know, where you're just like, that's why women can raise nations, because we have the empathy, we have the awareness, the consciousness, we're loving, you know, we're custodians. 
And so I was just like, oh, this little girl is so powerful, you know? And so we need to raise more Antigones, man. Because yeah. when we're thinking about, at least when I think about this play, I almost never think about Antigone as a single entity because that's just the way that it was taught to me during my studies. Yes, she has her beliefs, but it's not that Creon is wrong, mm -hmm. except he, at the end he does realize that he was wrong to be sort of so headstrong and then he loses everything. And then there's this impulse to sort of play like, both sides mm. kind of a thing with this play and many scholars have taken this position on it but I love your interpretation and I love how you're very focused on the feminine aspect mm. of it because that's not something that I see very frequently and I think that might be a result of the academic way that people look at these plays they mm. think about the context mm. in which they were performed mm. and how Antigone would have been played by a man mm. and that is like you know, she just happens to be the daughter of Oedipus and some, and that's why it's important, but this was a man. I love when it's played up on sort of, you know, it's not Antigone and Crayon, it's Antigone and Ismene. I think that that's fantastic. I think Yeah, it's like solidarity day. Yeah, and you say that. Like you literally, <laughs> like you wrote that yeah. and they made a song out of it yeah. and it's so amazing. I love, I love listening to uh, it being put to music. It's mm. fantastic. How much of the play remains in the writing for you? Because when you look at it, it's sort of, I don't want to say it's deconstructed, but it's, um, it's smaller. It's, it's not a play. It's a series of poems. Mm. Yeah, so that's what I was asked to do. I was just asked to give a series of, of poems. We're still threading. Marcus and I threaded together. Nell's giving the music. So I think I, I was just the starting point so they could give the work to the students to interpret it however it is they wanted to interpret it. And then from there on, Nell would add the music and then Mark is going to fully thread it. But I think that's what the workshops are here for as yeah. well. Um, so that they can have like create different scenes and embody these words differently and we can see how they put that on stage and then once that happens then Mark can just tie tie the threads together. Okay. So it's really just a practical and learning as we do experience. It's, it's, actually, it's actually an experiment. Yeah, it's very experimental. <laughs> You're absolutely... It's, yeah. it's actually the, it's an experiment because we get here and we just like put it on the floor and let's see what it looks like, you know? And that's what we've been doing for the last month. Yeah. Is, is, all right, get into your body, create a fake language. Here, learn this protest song. And like, that's been the work. It's definitely for me and sort of my history with theater, the most atypical rehearsal experience that I've ever had. And it's, but it's really, it's just so amazing to see them sort of come up with certain things on the fly or just like, have something sort of inhabit their bodies mm -hmm. and or inhabit their bodies with with the words and then you know suddenly we're gonna have a play at the end of this i'm really still not 100 percent sure how that's gonna happen but at the end of this we're gonna have something no, extraordinary i know it's gonna be extraordinary i mean i really like mark's visuals you know where he's just making them look at, at the ceiling and just imagine you sitting in a hole you know for me if that could expand if you could see more of their thinking because the words are there but it's like how do they translate them without the text so that they can create more scenes within the piece 
And so more doing work, more traveling work from one place to the next so that the song moves and then they'll, or they can then decide where the music comes in. But how do you tie that physical work to some kind of purpose? And I think it's just for them to find the meaning. If they can find the meaning and just interpret it for themselves. And I think yesterday we said they're going to go in groups, you know, and build the story. Because I think Mark has, I love, I love the opening, but I'm just like, where's the rest? Yeah. But this is the process where we're supposed to be creating all these other visuals that can borrow in whatever way. So I think, yeah, I, it's very spontaneous. But I also think, I, I don't know, I'm not a drama student or anything, but I mean, I did back in the days community theater, you know, and I remember just knowing how much of the, once you have a script, it's not necessarily the script that, that makes the story, it's actually how it's interpreted. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, and that interpretation then, defines the story and gives it more meaning. So I think I'm really waiting for them to just catch on to their own definitions or their own meanings and their own embodiments of the script. Because they do know, I mean, they can relate to the work that's there, you know what I mean? So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how that unfolds. Absolutely. Like, it's still so formless, but I'm really, I'm really looking forward to seeing the end result, especially sort of having sat in from the first rehearsal. Mm. It's been uh, really... You've been here throughout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here, here and there, yeah. seeing a lot of it and then mostly been with the big group and with Neo and, you know, him teaching these songs in Kosa and in Zulu that I've never heard before in my life because I'm not from this hemisphere. So based on what you know about this play and everything that you've written for it what do you think the connection is between this sort of ancient work and the work that we're doing i mean history repeats itself no matter where you're from there're just certain things that the human nature is human nature greed is greed power struggles are power struggles everywhere in the world across time you know and so for me that's the connection you know it's just the context is different but that is the the fundamental the similarity there's so many similarities um, within the play just looking at South Africa today and looking how just you know not so long ago we were going through the fees must fall movement and the struggle of fees um, higher education being way too expensive marginalizing and unaffordable and there were students there were Antigones who were just like we're shutting down the universities and nobody's gonna learn God, I wish American students would do that. So, so contextually, yeah. it's it's the same struggle, a power struggle. Yeah. You know, um, it, 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 it's 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 just re re as time goes, or according to where you're from, which time period you're in, which struggles you're facing at that point in time. But for me, it borrows so much from from that phrase, and just history repeating itself. You know, mm -hmm. it's just figuring out how to how to counter those struggles and learning to create and replicate and multiply more Antigones so that it becomes difficult over the years for the atrocities to continue. You know, so for me, it's like there'll always have to be a fight or like civil duty. And it's that it's, it's people rising up to that occasion and understanding what it means, even though at times when you're in a revolution and even with Antigone, she didn't think twice. <laughs> she, so she's not thinking about her sister who she's gonna leave behind. She's not thinking about the partner who she's gonna leave behind. She's just like, I'm gonna die. If you wanna kill me, if I get caught, I'll die. You know what I mean? She has no regrets. And so for me, that kind of attitude and that kind of mentality where we can challenge authority, 
you know, if authority is oppressive. Um, so it's creating that kind of system where if it ever happens again, 50 years down the line, there has to be a reference point for the people who are in the struggle to say, two years ago, 3,000 years ago, 4 billion years ago, somebody who once did this. And so we can do it. Yeah. So it's literally referencing and borrowing um, from, from her strengths, borrowing from her voice, borrowing from um, her, her, her wisdom, you know, borrowing from her wisdom. And also listening to the youth is a big thing for me in the play. It's oh, just yeah. like, when we're, we're not misguided, the youth is not misguided. No. The youth just turned the country upside down in a mass revolution protesting against inequalities within the system. So, so for me, that's a very big one, actually, that we need to give the youth a platform to speak and to actually give wisdom and voice to, to the future. Yeah. Yeah, and I see that, especially with your section on solidarity. And then my favorite part is just the whole time, the whole time when they're just uh, screaming, fuck the patriarchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish I could hear this more, because yeah. I feel like the only time I hear that now is people saying it ironically, mm. <laughs> which I hate. So hearing that and hearing it and knowing it's being said with sincerity... And yes, it's speaking to the system within the story, but it's also very clearly speaking to a system that we currently live in. And I think that this feminine-focused, protest-focused Antigone that you have created with the things that you've written is the version of Antigone I wish I could see all the time. Mm. Especially with these old, old plays. Always these old white guys who want to sound like they're doing Shakespeare because they just because it's old and we want it to be fancy. No, I don't think these plays are supposed to be fancy. They're really not. You must move with the times. Yeah. You should transition with the times. Yeah. You know, the Shakespearean era was the Shakespearean era was the Shakespearean era. Yeah. You know, and I don't want creativity to ever be stuck, but it happens where creativity is stuck in the past, and you're just like, but give it to young guys to innovate. Yeah. And and, and contextualize it so you're able to pass it down to the next generation. Because I always say when I read Shakespeare, I have to read him five times to really understand what he's saying. And that's and so it, unfortunate. You know, like, <laughs> it's just like, like, his language is a barrier. And I know there are translations and so forth. But, you know, so then there's yeah. that. And then, and then after that, you're like, okay, now I'm going to. But if you could have somebody translate it into the local languages and, and in, a witty, uh, in a witty and enticing manner. In a, yeah, in a way that is actually truthful to the piece itself. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like, if you could translate it, there wouldn't be so much resistance towards Shakespeare, you know, because yeah. people are tired. And I'm like, guys, it's he's could be li she's like literally exhausting because you just have to go ten times one sentence. What are you saying? So now I have to read the book and then read the translation. Do I read? It's just like okay, okay, okay. Maybe I'm just gonna read an African writer. <laughs> <laughs> and that and that and that impulse is completely understandable i mean especially when we think about sort of the relationship between you know these play like these plays and just their existence in africa being a colonial act like of course there's like there's not only sort of this language barrier 
but there's also this purposeful cultural barrier yeah. that's been placed in between yeah. these two things. And I have a deep affection for these plays. I mean, I'm I'm here and I'm writing my thesis on it. Like I I think that these plays aren't just about you know ancient Greece. I think that they're about the human condition, and I think that mm. that can be applied in a lot of different cultural contexts. As I've seen and I've studied over and over again, there's a very famous version of Antigone that came out of Argentina that is about the dictatorship kidnapping a bunch of students and they disappeared and then the mothers coming back and saying where are our children and that that version of Antigone is is also sort of like steeped in femininity and protest but completely differently and so I I love seeing these these themes come up in it so you see, then you can even make an inquiry to say, oh, so how did this play come about? Oh, because, because, because. Then you're, you're, you're probing with an interest of understanding, knowing that you're trying to deconstruct and understand these translations, you know. So you're, you're, you're more open towards that learning. Um, um, but also it's just, it's unfortunate that, you know, the colonial um, aspect of it will always linger and it comes with it, you know, because I think art should get to a, a place where it is beyond that. It's so intangible and it's like almost spiritual, because that's what it is. It's almost spiritual. So wherever you move or wherever you take it, people should be able to access it. But that's where contextualizing comes in, taking into account that, yes, this is, it's like writing, you know, there's a, Afrikaans in South Africa is a very, it's a very, the language of Afrikaans is just a very sensitive one, you know what I mean? Because it was the language of the oppressor. But you still have like your coloreds or like your mixed race guys who still speak it. It's their language. They, they speak it. So it's like, it's like, but it's a language. It's so drenched in blood, but it's still a language. When do we get to that point where we can just, and as a writer and as a creator, when you interact with the language, I'm like, ah, oh, but I, I really love Afrikaans. But then you, you have this like mixed relationship with it because you're just like, oh, but so for me, I, just, I hope one day we get to a point where the art is so beautiful and, and, and even Shakespeare, Shakespeare could be contextually translated in an innovative and relevant manner that accesses day-to-day -day struggles. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it could be so spiritual and empowering that people are just going to be like, oh yeah, but it was a Shakespearean play. Uh, yeah, but did you see what they did there, you know? They decolonized it, you know? Yeah. So I do think that we should be decolonizing these stories. Of course, creating our own stories. Yeah. But we, if you're an artist, man, you, you do want to watch what was being done 20 years ago. What were the conditions there? It is interesting to know, you know, reference point. But um, we should definitely be, be deconstructing and decolonizing and finding our, um, creating ourselves within these stories. Yeah. yeah I'm, wonder creating. I'm wondering if, you read the island in preparation for no. writing this no no <laughs> that's wild to me really yeah because just because that is that is sort of the south african example of antigone and so that now go and read it you see yeah <laughs> well, good, good. I'm, I'm glad like yeah because i personally hadn't even known about it until until i got here mm. and i had only seen one of apple fugard's 
place when I was living in New York. And it was uh, Master Harold and the Boys, and it was uh, very uncomfortable, uh, but it's supposed to be. I think because I'm coming from a place of dramaturgy. Yeah. yeah and, and so it's, I need to read all of the things before I can even begin to watch something. I love to actually like go and read it and then see where the parallel, even just the unintentional parallels would be with your work in particular. I'm so excited about this, and I'm so glad that you were able to be here and to actually sit, the yeah, <laughs> be actually able to sit down with me and do this. This is fantastic. Thank you so much. Once again, a huge, huge thank you to Mandisa for sitting down with me. I love being able to talk to writers about how they adapt and what comes through to them while they're writing something. Hope you can join us next time. See you soon.